and more. It's time now for a pond for the review with your host, Josh Norman, here on WJQS The Fan. It's time now. Welcome in Monday night, another edition of Upon Further Review. I am your host, Josh Norman. We are brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy, live blue. Further review. www.bcbsms.com. And as always, we are joined not only by the great Bill Wilson, but also the first Monday of every month. As as we always do, we have T.D. Green with Randy Watkins. Not only by the great Bill the Randy Watkins Golf Group. RandyWatkinsGolf.com. And encourage you, we'll tell you some things that are going on out there. With all of Randy's courses and specific to youth and, golf, some uh, 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 here we'll talk a little bit later. Randy, how are we doing this evening? With with all Greg, of Josh, Randy's uh, uh, hey, Bill. courses Yo. and specific to youth golf, some here we'll talk a little bit later. Randy, how are we doing this evening? Bill, have you you said you'd recovered? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So six games in two days down there. Uh, Bill produced uh, here for 105.9 The Zone, the sister station to the station you're listening to now, 106.3 FM, 1400 AM. You may be with us on WJQSTheFan.com. It was also on MPB, the public broadcasting network throughout the state uh, on radio. Uh, and then the video side was held on National Federation of High Schools. Uh, it was a joy to be down there. We're going to cover those games on radio. All of the activities uh, of the weekend uh, in the second hour of this show, each state champion. Uh, it was a great weekend cool. uh, for some high school football. Yeah, it was awesome. I watched a good bit of it, and there was some good football. And that 6A heavyweight bat was all it was built up to be. It was really, I mean, it was really impressive on both sides. I was obviously, uh, Toby Collins, a good friend of mine at yeah. Madison Central. I was pulling hard for the, for the Jags, but I'll be honest with you, Brandon Bulldogs played some mighty good football. I, you know, it's what's what was interesting is Brandon came out and just absolutely threw a haymaker in that first drive. Yeah, they did. They did. I mean, and 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 looked really good doing it. Yeah, yeah, yep. And you have to give Toby, Coach Collins, the the head coach at at uh, Madison Central, his coaching staff and their players a lot of credit for taking that blow yep. and methodically coming back and yes. putting themselves in a position to win that football game. Uh, showed a lot of great leadership and, and you know, not just from a coaching perspective, but players being able to resolve some of that adversity. Pretty pretty obvious that two of the hot coaches in the state were right there. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Those those two guys, both first year of those programs, you're going to see those programs around for a long time. And, you know, if you watch that contest, you didn't see Vic Sutton, starting quarterback for Madison Central, was right. out. Yes. Uh, you didn't see Nate Blunt the fourth starting running back for Brandon that was out. Yep. So these guys did this through adversity as well. And they're starting a tenth grader at as quarterback at Brandon. That's correct. I mean that guy. I could not believe that kid's a tenth. Man, he stood in there and took some shots. Yes, he delivered he a couple balls. Taking shots, it, it was impressive. He can spin the football. There's down no the field. question. He's a pretty gutsy kid. I was, There's no doubt. He's got a permit, but no license. I no. thought that's, that's incredible. <laughs> but he can throw a football I mean, and, and can yep. do it and stand in there and hang in. But I was um, there the last time Madison Central won in '99. '99. Mike Justice. Mike Levin, Justice. And they went 15 and 0, and that was. I can't believe it was 22 years ago. <laughs> so, so in our in our broadcasting booth, there was some uh, Mike Justice impersonations oh, yeah. taking oh, yeah. place. I ben, no Benny, Benny does a really good Mike He's Justice. Real he does. Good. He's real, real good at it. I mean, he I did mean, one that was spot on, and I I've had the opportunity to uh, 
to meet Mike here just recently uh, at one of the clubs. And, um, and uh, I mean, when he started talking like it, I was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> that him. is Mike Justice. On the radio, you'd think it's him. Hey, I mean, if you got a wall between you and him, you think it's Justice on yes. that wall. <laughs> yes. It was terrific. That's it was terrific. Stuff. Good job. Well, we're going to get to a little golf. Yeah. And, um, uh, look, the world of golf for so long revolved around Tiger Woods. Yep. You know, as time has gone on, you've seen a lot of younger players, uh, you know, come through. A lot of new storylines take yeah. shape. We've talked about and documented a lot of the Mississippi activity on both tours, male and female. Yep. But you can't help but talk about Tiger Woods right now. Yep. Seeing that guy after almost having his leg amputated. Yes. Now hitting golf balls. Yes, seven months later. How amazing is that? Unbelievable. Again, I've said it before and I said it to you earlier. Go ahead and bet against him if you wish. You know, go ahead. It's a fool's errand. The guy's a um, he's a special breed of cat. No pun intended. Yeah. I mean, he's different. I mean, he's mentally different. He's physically different. His golf swing looked awesome. I mean, he looks like his mindset looks great. I fully expect that guy to come back and win something. It. I mean, he said he's not going to play full time again. I get that, and and uh, and I don't blame him at all for that, but. Once he makes up his mind, he wants to really dig in. On any given week he does play, he can still beat them. You know, but I think the reason that he's not coming back, reading into the conversations that I've seen, really has more to do with the ability to walk 72 holes. Yeah, the endurance correct. On, on his body. On that leg, yeah. not necessarily his confidence or thought process of his golf swing. No, he just, just doesn't know for sure. That his that his leg will hold up. That's to right. That, to that much, um, that many footsteps. Now you know. Look, let's keep in mind the guy has access to the world's greatest healthcare. No doubt. Uh, rehabilitation. No doubt. Physical therapy. I mean, you know, he's he's not he's he is at the gr- highest of levels from the standpoint of his care, and I don't mean that derogatorily. No, uh, against anybody else, but but the ability for him to walk in and have personal. Uh, one-on-one activities uh, constantly and, and the, the best surgeons. He's got access to that. But, I'm, I mean, look, when, when I saw that wreck, I said, man, that guy's it's over. We all thought the same thing. But you can have access to all that you want. It doesn't make any difference if you don't do the work yeah. that, they, that they tell you to do. Yep. The, the surgeons can do the best work possible and say it's perfect. Yeah. If you don't do the follow-up work, and the endurance that goes along with that, the toughness that it takes to go every day, all day long to fix one thing and build your body. And he looked big, too, by the way. His upper body looked huge the, yeah. the other day. So he's been working on his body pretty hard. So he's he's not only got access to it, he utilizes it and does the work. And, and, and he's proven that he's, he's that guy that you do the work and stay committed and stay focused on what you're doing. You can achieve anything. You know the thing that it's it's the same thing that people have talked about that separate him, Kobe Bryant, yeah, uh, Michael Tom Jordan, Brady. Tom Brady. Yeah, you know when you look at these guys, they have a different focus when it comes to their ability to hone into what it is their desired outcome is. Oh yeah, whether that's when he's over a shot, focusing on that, a putt, focusing on that, yeah. or maybe it's you know the ability to rehab a massive injury. Yeah, whatever that is, their their level of focus and the way they're able to hone in on those things is just. I remember, 
Michael Jordan came up the other day in a in a conversation when he got hurt his hurt his foot yep. his second year in the league. Yep. He came back quicker than anybody anticipated yep. and against doctors and teams' wishes. Correct. And said, I'm playing. Yep. Never dealt with it again. Nope. Just a different – I mean, it, it really is. And, and I did like the pun, by the way. I did get yep. the, uh, you know, a different cat, Tiger Woods. Yeah, yep. uh, you know, that was that was well done. Um, I'm, yeah, reading you, a, I'm reading you, a book right now about – excuse me to go interrupt. Ahead. About folks that have tree, achieved goat status, greatest of all time, when it's Ali or Tiger or Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky, several others – what makes them great oftentimes makes them ill-suited for normal life. Mm. They're not – because they're not normal. They're they're different. They have a different uh, – they just they just made different. There's nothing, you know, better or worse. It's mm-hmm. just it makes them the greatest at their craft and the focus and, and dedication, the, the determination and perseverance it takes to become the greatest. When you get away from that, like, like Jordan – you know, was that for so long, settling into a normal life wouldn't look normal to you and I. Right. It's not because they're not normal. A, there's a lot that goes into that, to, into greatness, and it's fun to watch. You don't get to see it all the time. Oh, no. You know, you no. just don't see greatness. No. All the time. No, there's no question. You And you know it when you oh, see yeah. it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's very clear, yep. you know, Nick Saban. No doubt. When you see him build a program, yep. you hear him speak. Yep. You see the level of accountability that he holds his players to. Yep. There's no there's no guessing as to why his program is as successful as it is. It's just plain as day. I mean, and 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 look, the reality is the discipline, the uh the attention to detail yep. that it takes to be great. Repetition. Most people want to go out they want to hit a golf ball once a week or yep. they want to shoot a free throw once a week or they want to study some film once a week and expect the same results that somebody that goes out and hits Five hundreds times. of golf balls yeah. every day yeah. gets. Forget you know, it. it doesn't work Forget that way. Forget it. Sorry. It doesn't work that way. Look, that's going to uh, be a topic of conversation as we continue to go forth. Don't go anywhere. We've got more upon further review. We're joined by Randy Watkins Uh, Here on Monday night, it's Tita Green in our first hour. Uh, Join us back on the other side of this break. More upon further review coming up right after this. JQS, the fan. And we welcome you back in. Upon further review, we are joined by Randy Watkins of Randy Watkins Golf Group, randywatkinsgolf.com. They have Lake Caroline, Whisper Lake, Patrick Farms uh, in their arsenal of golf courses here in the Jackson metro area. Uh, Visit their website, randywatkinsgolf.com, to find out more about membership opportunities, the courses themselves. Uh, and the different functions that take place. I know that they have 
uh, some things going on coming up, Randy, uh, with regards to uh, youth golf. Yes. And uh, some sign-ups taking place. And, um, you know, it's something that uh, that I've tried to talk my kids into doing. And I, I want to uh, talk about the importance of starting golf at a young age. Well, it's, I mean, it's it's actually mandatory almost if you're going to get, you know, if you want to if you want to be good, you need to start young, uh, learning the fundamentals. Because most people just start the game with their buddies and they just start whacking balls and they wonder why they didn't get any, get good at it. But in golf, you can start young and learn the fundamentals and become a, um, you know, a, a competent golfer pretty fast as a kid just through the repetition of the camps and clinics and so forth. And you can do it with your parents. You can do it with your friends. You can do it with your grandparents, that sort of thing. But it teaches, you know, it teaches beyond golf. Golf's got a lot of great etiquette and a, a lot of tradition to it that's great for kids' growth, boy and girl. Uh, we've had great success with that, as are most golf courses these days, particularly with COVID. A lot of families uh, getting involved together. A lot of a lot of fathers now are pushing their kids, their boys into golf as opposed to football, for either safety reasons or reality reasons. You know, they're, they're not going to be the biggest, strongest, fastest right. uh, kids. And the opportunities for girls are so great. But if you start them early, you just got a head start on the improvement and the enjoyment of the game. So that when if you, so you're not as likely to give up the game if you become competent early. And in the programs like U.S. Kids Golf, which is what my son Thomas has um, right now, is taking sign up for the U.S. Kids Player uh, Development Program, which is a U.S. Kids. It's a national based uh, program that with great success. Uh, nationwide, Thomas is a top 50 uh, teacher in the country two years in a row with these very dedicated U.S. kids. Their program is very solid. It's um, it's very equitable for ages, uh, for boys and girls. It's 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 fun. It's it is some competition in it. There is some learning in it. But it's a lot of fun too. It's not the old school. It's not like a junior golf camp like I went to when I was a kid. While it was fun for me. It wouldn't matter what you did. That was going to be fun for me because I had a passion for golf. Right. Um, but not every kid goes into it with the same exuberance that I did. Right. But U.S. Kids Golf has sort of captured those programs, put them all together, and made these things the great. And I don't know how many kids we got in it, but it was a ton this year. Right. And his sign up just he's starting now because parents are asking right. already, what's the program for next year? And for instance, we had a, a parent child event yesterday at Whisper Lake. There's a U.S. Kids event, and we had families from Mississippi, Tennessee, Arkansas, and Louisiana come play. Wow. It was a nine-hole tournament yesterday afternoon. So there were people that drove four-plus hours with their families to come play nine holes to compete, play together, spend time together, have a meal together, travel together. And all of those – I went and met those folks and asked them Mm. because it doesn't make logical sense to drive – Four or five hours to go play nine holes, mm-hmm. but that's that's what they want to do with their children, and their children want to do with their parents. Mm. And so it was just enlightening to see it was good competition, a lot of family fun, a lot of folks got to meet new people. They, some people got to see a new part of the world. You know, they haven't been here from, you know, if they're from Arkansas, they've never been to Madison. It's just good stuff, and and parents, you know, it's it's not the expensive sport it once was. You can get in now. Uh, at a reasonable price, 
You can get access to instruction and programs like these, like the U.S. Kids, that are affordable. They're not free and they're not cheap, but they're not they're not expensive. Right. Um, and they have a there's a program to it. It's a developmental deal. There's different stages and phases you go through. So you get through one thing to get to another thing. So it's building blocks of learning, like like mathematics or mm-hmm. anything else. Like you've seen in basketball, there's or baseball or whatever. There's building, you know, to it, and I just think it's wonderful. And and golf certainly been a, you know, benefited because of it. We're and we're proud to be a part of it for sure. So U.S. Kids, just to give you an idea of, it started in '96. Yeah, so it's not old. By uh, Dan Van Horn. Yes. And when he started it, he had children at the ages of five and eight. Yep. And he had the issue with kids with his children. Yep. That a lot of people do. Yep. And that is they get them into golf. Yep. And then it, it the experience, they kind of lose interest, according to him. Yep. And they weren't having fun. Correct. So the design of it is to flip back around yep. and make golf fun. That's correct. So it's so that's the shift change in the last that's twenty five years ago. So you can imagine twenty five years earlier than that, when I was ten or eleven years old how much difference it is now, which looked like fun, the golf programs became, at least in perception, not fun to the kids that just wanted to try it. Now they want to try it. They find out it's fun. Now they like it. And now they start to go through the stages of development and learning. And now now we got us a golfer, boy or girl. But if you start fun – you know, you don't take your son or your daughter to the golf course and take them to the number one tee and tee it up and play for score. You know, right off the bat. Mm. They're going to shoot a million. Right. They're not going to like that. Right. And three holes into it, you're bored and frustrated with your child and you go home. <laughs> you know, so that happens all the time. Hey, how many parents out there? <laughs> I mean, you better raise your hand because I'll start naming names because yes, I've indeed. seen them in my 35 years yes, in the business. Yes, indeed. And that's that's been the deal. Well, now you take your, your child and put them in this program they have fun. They develop a little bit and learn some. Now dad or mom can take the child out and play from their tee, and they play this format, and now they can compete with you enough or achieve enough where it's enjoyable for both of you. Then Now it's a win-win. It's a cool deal. All right, so does U.S. Kids incorporate the mentality of um, – I don't know how to necessarily explain it other than you set a tee at 50 yards. Yep. And until you can score par from that tee of 50 yards out, no matter the hole, correct, you can't progress to the next tee, which is 100 yards correct. or 75 yards. That's right. And it's different colored. Is that the same, yep, that's same principle? Deal. Yep. So yep. It, it teaches you uh, to learn. And, and what I love about it is it teaches you really the parts of the game that you've talked about. If you want to score wedges, yep. putter, yep. you know, those types of things that are so important. Yep. Uh, and and it it saves us as parents that are trying to get our kids involved in the game of golf for a lot of different reasons. Correct. Uh, it, it saves us a lot of frustration. Get lots and lets Thomas <laughs> handle Let, that frustration. Yeah, exactly. Thomas have a whole yes. So what so what it does sort of like we do. We teach the game backwards. Right from the green back to the tee, where it once was taught from the tee to the green. Right. So a, a just say a, a garden variety youngster, male or female, seven or eight years old, nine years old, wants to start. You should start by learning how to putt first. Let them putt some, and then learn them learn how to chip some, and teach them that. And now they become where they can get the ball up on the green and two putt or three putt, not eight putt every green, 
and chili dip every chip. And then you move them back to 50 yards and learn, let them learn how to get a ball on or near the green. Once they can do that, then you move them back to 75 yards, get it on or near the green again. And now they've gotten the basics of how you put a score together. Right. Is from there in. And so, to be quite honest, that's where the adults ought to go to, go to work on it today, too. Matter of fact, most of my lessons that I teach today, which most are, you know, they're not little. I have some children. But that's what we work on the most. Yeah. I teach them how to score. from the, if, if you can't get the ball in the hole in three shots or less, once you put a wedge in your hand, you're going to have a tough time improving no matter what we do on right. the driver. Right. So when you get a grab a wedge, it's your job to get the ball in the hole, three shots or less. Right. Or go spend $600 on a driver. Good luck. <laughs> I, I had this Sorry. conversation with a friend of mine Sorry. today. We were we were on the phone, and he he started talking to me about uh, he went to the range and figured it all out. Oh yeah, like, sure he's yeah. got it. But look, he was telling me about his driver and hybrid that he bought this summer, brand yeah. new driver and hybrid. Awesome. And uh, and 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 he was walking through, and he was talking about the spin rate, and and uh, now now we're getting in the seventies, you know, and. And I was I was listening to him, and I I said, well, let me ask you a question. Last time you played, how many three punch did you have? Yeah, yeah. And, or uh, you know, and I told him, I said, well, you need to tune in tonight yeah. from six to eight p.m. <laughs> uh, six to seven. You need to hear Randy Watkins <laughs> talk about what it's like. Hey, if you want to find out more about what Thomas, Randy, and the rest of the group at Randy Watkins Golf are doing, visit randywatkinsgolf.com to find out what they do. It's all hosted at Whisper Lake, I believe, uh, when they have all their U.S. Kids yep. functions. And uh, you can find out more there. If you want to know more about U.S. Kids Golf, go to uskidsgolf.com. Read up about yep. what that program's about. It's incredibly good. And it's a terrific opportunity for you to get your youngsters involved in golf. Don't go anywhere. We've got more with Randy Watkins coming up right after this. Again, upon further review, I am your host, Josh Dorman. We appreciate you joining us as we are here every Monday night from 6 to 8 p.m. We are on 106.3 FM, 1400 AM, WJQSTheFan.com. Maybe you're checking us out uh, on the radio uh, app, or my, uh, radio.com app. Maybe you're checking us out on uh, wherever it is that you're listening to us. We appreciate you. And uh, certainly, we appreciate you downloading our uh, podcast. We do podcast this. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcast. Uh, we we send those out each week. And, uh, boy, I, I couldn't have imagined. I'm, I'm so thankful for the response that we've gotten from that podcast and you going back and listening to missed parts or maybe you just miss an entire show. Uh, certainly blown away by uh, the response that we've gotten to that and are, are very, very grateful. Uh, certainly very grateful that Randy Watkins joins us uh, every Monday night. You know, when you think about what we want to do with this show, we, we want people that, uh, you know, my coaching philosophy boiled down to two things. It was to know what I was talking about and to let my players know that I cared. And so we have the same philosophy as a radio show. When we bring people on and we talk to people about their respective 
uh, sports or uh, areas of expertise, whether it's leadership or anything else. We want them to know what we're, they're talking about, and certainly we get that the full hour each month that Randy takes out to join us. Uh, his uh, uh, pedigree in the game of golf is, is unmatched, obviously, uh, having played at Ole Miss on the PGA Tour, uh, been in golf course design, management, you name it, he's played it, he's done it, and so uh, there's nobody better to speak on the game of golf uh, than Randy, and so we're certainly thankful he's here Thank with you. us once again. We always try to highlight a course, yeah. and it's something that's dear to your heart. Yep. Uh, obviously, you own courses, yep. uh, but uh, but also the state of Mississippi has a lot of great courses. Definitely. We've talked about uh, the, the tracks up at Dancing Rabbit. Yep. We've talked about Waverly and Mossy Oak. Uh, we've talked about local courses here, yep. uh, Reunion Annandale. Uh, we've talked about the Pine Belt. Yes. Uh, and the, the different courses. You've got Timberton, uh, Hattiesburg Country Club. We talked about Cane Break. Yep. Let's go down to the southwest part of the state, Natchez. Yes. And there's a course, Beaupre Country Club. Know it well. Uh, talk about Beaupre, uh, what its setup's like, and, and a review of that course uh, as you know it. What's well, a cool uh I've played Beaupre five or six times. It's probably been ten years since I played it, but you know, I remember the old days when Bellwood Country Club was one of the, it was there was the Country Club of Natchez. Basically, it was called Bellwood. It was set on the river, uh, right over by the uh, paper mill. So if the if the wind blew the wrong direction, it was <laughs> it was tough playing. Uh-huh. Uh, but I had a lot of fun there as a kid. A good friends that played there that um, are still good friends of mine now. But they built Beaupre. I don't know how many, 25 years ago or, or thereabouts. I forget how old it is now. It's been a good while, maybe longer than that. Um, but it's got some cool views. It's, it's like it's a Beaupre, it's like a bluff. Um, it's, it's a, uh, it is a neighborhood golf course. There is some uh, real estate on it. There are homes on it. But it's um, it's got some beautiful views. You know, Natchez is a pretty area. You know, it's got topography and old the old trees, the old hardwood trees everywhere and um, it's a great little 18-hole golf course. I say little. It's a big golf course that has hosted many, many good events along the, uh, through the years. Uh, they got a good membership base in Natchez. They draw a lot of folks from Louisiana to come up and play it because it's got elevation to it. Most yep. courses in Louisiana don't have any. Mm. But Beaupre's got some movement in it. It's got some elevated tee shots that are really cool. There's some um, – I think it's 18, just plays right along the – it's a creek, but it might as well be a river to us. It's so big, but the bluffs on the other side of it are just—it's just stunning. It's a—it's a great, you know, it's a great. Out. Natchez is cool to go visit, and if you're gonna go play Beaupre, Mammy's is right there on Highway 61, right there, not far from the entrance. And <laughs> if you want some good food, you go to Mammy's. So a, a nice day out would be, hey, find you a bed and breakfast. Yep. Uh, hit up Beaupre. Yes. And finish the evening off at Mammy's. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. You heard it right here. You have made a mistake if you don't do that. <laughs> Randy Randy Watkins calling <laughs> a shot there, uh, finishing I mean, the day off with Mammy's. Some chocolate cream pie or some coconut cream. I mean, the good as you can do it. It's just like Mammy's. Oh, boy. It's as good as oh, you can boy. do it. But, but going to Natchez to visit and, and fitting in around a golf at Beaupre is a hit. I so, mean, it's good. always in good shape. It can extend the tips almost to seven thousand yards. Yep. It's plenty of golf course now. It's but it's, it's no short course. But also, if you know, look, if you go to the second tee box at sixty five hundred, yeah, the third at six thousand. So it really can catch anybody's game. Yep, uh, as you need it. And, it's very uh, fair. The greens are nice size. Uh, I think the fairways I thought were real generous, so you can hit your driver. You know, it's not like Bellwood was tight. I mean, it was a 
parallel holes and old trees overhanging. You had to, you know, you had to walk single file down the fairways to get to your ball at Bellwood. It was so tight. But Bellwood, I mean, Beaupre is very generous off the tee. The greens are good size. It's just a cool. Uh, it's just a cool golf course to go play. If you're going to go to Natchez and you're a golfer, you might as well do that while you're there because you you won't be disappointed. Yeah, it's a unique setup as the membership too. Yeah, it's a locally member only. Correct. Course. Yep. But if you're from outside certain counties and parishes, yep, you can come play unaccompanied. That's correct. So if you're listening to us in the Jackson metro area. You're welcome down there yep. uh, to go play. Obviously, green fees, uh, you know, are dependent on the time of year, seasonal like any other course. But but if you live in the parishes or the counties directly surrounding the course, it's membership only. That's correct. That's an interesting setup. Yep, I think they I think they went through a whole lot of trying to get members. Mm. You know, and a golf course, any golf course like that needs the recurring income of of dues. Right, and a lot of folks were you know, cannibalizing by just playing when they wanted to play and not committing to joining. Mm. And and the club just has a tough time operating with a, a cash flow that fluctuates that right, differently. Right. The, the steady dose of 12 months of dues really helps maintain the golf course really in a condition consistent with what the members demand. So it takes a membership base to, to achieve that. So I've seen that happen all over the country where they, they you know, they just draw a circle. Yeah. If you're inside that, you got to join or – Either the rates are stupid, right, or, or you can't play it all unless you're accompanied by a member, right. And it's all about trying to get a, just enough of a membership base, and those are the ones that are going to join the ones that close, right, right. And generally, it's within twenty five or thirty miles, yeah. of the golf course, where it's a twenty minute drive. And look, if you're, I mean, you know, the the, the reality is, if you play golf, um, you know, it, it really, it, during the peak season, a decent amount of membership's well worth it. Oh, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure not to is. mention the uh, – but I, before I get to that, I want to ask you one thing. You mentioned a lot of Louisiana courses are flat, not a lot of Correct. elevation. Correct. Is that a topography issue yeah. as far as yeah. how the natural topography of Louisiana is? Well, most of it's below sea level. Right. You know, the, the whole chunk of Louisiana is below sea level. So everything south of a certain line is doesn't even have a bump because it's below sea level. So, But as you go north, if you get up toward – uh, Monroe, Shreveport, um, over where Squire Creek is, and and uh, which is near between Monroe and Shreveport, you start to get some elevation, but not till you climb up above sea level do you start to see elevation changes. But so south there, Baton Rouge, now Baton Rouge has got some bluffy areas, uh-huh. hence the river, right? Uh, cuts. If it weren't for mankind, that wouldn't that that city wouldn't be there. If we right. didn't divert the river. That city would have long gone, been long ago been gone. Mm-hmm. But so it's got some bluffy areas. But south of that, it's over. Hmm. It's flat as a pancake. How about that? And so, so they draw. And so Quail Hollow in Macomb, uh, a wildlife area park, right. of course, gets a lot of Louisiana play because of the topography. Right. It's beautiful. It's you know you just don't get elevated tee shots yeah. and elevated approach shots. It's just more interesting. The, the more the more elevation a golf course has, the more interesting it is. Absolutely. No different than traveling down the interstate. If you're going through a Kansas, <laughs> it's not near as interesting as it is when you get to Wyoming. Right. And it's it's not because it's Kansas or Wyoming. It's because right. of topography. That's right. You They, they could take the signs down. You don't know where you are. You just say, this is way more interesting than that yes. one. Yes. You don't even know you changed states. So golf courses, generally when people vote on their favorite golf courses, 
when you when you take a deep dive and look at it, it's either seaside, right, or it's elevation. How about that? That's just generally speaking. That's interesting, and you know, you think about that from a golf course design or architecture's perspective. Sure. You, you talk about you know, well, why would you not man-made elevate it? That's a significant amount of dirt brought in, you bet. And, a, and a and a massive amount of cost. Yeah, and, and not always possible. Ah, very, you very know, good point. Dirt can be expensive. It can be hard to move. Yep. It may not. Re- it may be doing it looks fake. You know, sometimes yeah. if you do it. Now, the good architects like uh, Tom Fazio and Pete Dye was great at it. Yep. He, just, he just moved it like moon shapes. Yeah. He would take flat ground and make it moon shapes. Yeah. And so it looks like it has elevation. doesn't really. The elevation of the golf course technically didn't change any. Right. But they just moved dirt and mounds to make, yeah. it, make your eyes move into areas. That was Pete Dye's. He moved your eyes somewhere different than they should go. How about that? How about that? He's a trickster. Hey, listen, you get a lot mm-hmm. of good information here mm-hmm. with Randy Watkins. Tita Green, coming back with our last segment with Randy. Don't go anywhere. More upon further review right after this. Welcome back to Upon Further Review with Josh Dorman. Call us on our caller line at 601-366-1180. And we welcome you back in the final segment of Tea to Green with Randy Watkins. He joins us every Monday, excuse me, the first Monday of every month from 6 to 7 p.m., the first hour of our show. And uh, we are always have great conversation and golf uh, uh, conversation. Uh, and uh, excited that he's here uh, once again. And, uh, Randy, we had talked in an earlier segment about equipment. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, that kind of kind of trends us into, in our final segment, maybe talking about the overall concept of game improvement. Yeah. And uh, what your thoughts are there um, and, uh, and some things that may, maybe the average golfer could do to improve their game, whether that's, uh, skill related or equipment related. Correct. It can. That's a great question too, and I get this all the time. the The equipment is so much better today than it once was, and you and you can buy better equipment than than if you've got five year old equipment or more. There's stuff out there now that you can buy that is better than what you have, and will help you. But all golfers, you know, always struggle with something. There's always it doesn't make a difference if it's a tour player or. a uh, Saturday morning golfer. There's something in golf you need to work on. It's, it's just missing. And so I hear I hear it constantly. Most of them say, you know, I chili dip three times or I shank my seven iron. Well, next thing I know, they bought a new putter. Well, that didn't make any sense. That they, That's not what was hurting them. You know, that was sort of silly. <laughs> but you got to be an honest golfer. So people come to me and say, what about my game, this? And I'll say, well, let's let's settle this first. You want to tip or you want to learn? Now, I don't care either way. I can give you a tip, and we can just sit here and I give you a tip and I leave. Free of charge. <laughs> now, if you want a lesson, you want to learn, I'll show you how to learn the game. And it's two different things. And I was, and so I don't care because my dad was the guy that just wanted a tip. He didn't want to learn anything. 
He didn't want to top it anymore. I want me to fix it right now. Just give me a tip, and we're going to keep moving. I'm not going to that driving range. We're going to do it right here on number seven. I've topped four in a row. The next one, I'm going to top it. You're grounded. You know? So, so I, I understand the concept of a tip. But when you learn, if you want to learn, you got to be honest about your time. Do you have the time to dedicate to practice? Mm. It's not – you don't have to practice like I like to practice. You just have to practice right. with a purpose. Mm. And then – this is the most important. This is as much for this is for anybody, and particularly with your kids. When you practice, they have to be present. Like when you practice something, it doesn't make any difference what it is you're practicing. You have to turn off your phone. You have to turn off the music. You have to focus on what you're trying to learn, and then learn it, and then move on to the next thing. And so, this is my struggle with the young people today. Mm. They've got ear pods on, or they've got music sitting there. I do understand the culture, mm. but I further understand even more so to learn. You can't learn math in the classroom with ear pods mm. listening to music mm-hmm. and the teacher up there teaching. You're just not going to get it. Mm-hmm. Or you might get it, but it might be a while. Mm. You're not going to get it right then. So being present when you learn which is the equal requirement is of your teacher. So if I'm teaching Josh Dorman a lesson, you say, I want to, I want to get better. I I, I just want to get better. I want to, I want to improve and I'll do whatever I got to do. I don't have to play for a while. You tell me this, mm. when you come for a lesson, I'm going to be present. Mm. So I'm going to put my phone down. We're going to go to work on it. We're going to, we're going to, you're going to understand the concept and the practice routine, but the requirement on your end is you got to be present so that you hear what we work on that day, so that the next lesson we work on something else and you have to be present. And it, it's it's a life lesson, too. It's, yeah. it, it just carries over to everything else. But most people, generally speaking, just want a tip. Mm-hmm. And I'm fine with that. I don't right. care. And, and a tip might be, go get you another driver. That driver's <laughs> old. That's too much loft or not enough loft. Right. Or that shaft, uh, that's a stiff shaft. Uh, you grew out of it. I mean, you aged out of a stiff shaft twelve years ago. <laughs> You've been needing a regular shaft for twelve years. Go see Carrie, Edwin Watts, and they'll fix you up. Yeah, uh, a new putter. It don't matter. Don't right. buy, don't buy a new putter. Right. The putter don't know. Right. You know you don't know anything about the putter. <laughs> don't go do that. You don't know. You don't know what you. You don't even know what you're doing with your putter. So what makes you think this new putter is going? It's not going to putt for you. Yeah. It doesn't have a better shaft. They're not. It just doesn't do that. Right. So don't 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 do that. And don't go buy a sixty degree wedge. I'll kill you. Ooh, that's my favorite wedge. It's terrible. I'm deadly from ninety in. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'd have to check your stats on it to to verify. Man, but it's a very okay. It's a very difficult wedge to become skilled with. It takes a ton. I dedicated a year. Yeah. Like I never had a lofted uh, wedge to play with over 56 in my life when i was on the tour wow cobra made me a wedge that was 64 degrees Ooh. in preparation for the u.s open was uh-huh. in wingfoot real deep face bunkers right. ball's got to get up quick got to stop fast i mean you could i mean i could hit myself in the nose that ball comes out of there so fast wow. up but so then i tried a 60 this is just a this is two or three years ago i got a 60 i practiced with it a lot yeah and i'm not talking about once every two yeah, weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I did a lot of balls. Yeah, yeah. And I could do it. Yeah. But not near as consistent as my 56. Not near. Really? Not even close. It's really a 
zero tolerance wedge. You either hit it perfect or you hit a bad shot. Yeah, yeah. Period. Yeah. Well, 56 not that way. You can sort of miss hit a little and you uh-huh. get away with it, gets up on the fringe or gets on the greens, 20 right. feet, big deal. With that 60, you miss hit and you plug it in the lip. Yeah. Now you got a triple. Man. I mean, it's a very difficult wedge to get. That's to, my to favorite wedge. I see them in people's from, in bags all the time. It's a mistake, generally. From 90 in, from 70 to 90, yep. that's the club. And, I, I mean, I, I feel like, and people I feel have like too many wedges? super confident with it. People have too many wedges? You know what? I can't hit a gap wedge. What loft is it? Uh, 52. Okay. So I have 60, 56, 52, and then pitching wedge is 49. Yeah, okay. And and for whatever reason, it's yeah. – uh, Don't use it. I don't. Yeah. I hit it. I, I, I just choke down on a pitching there wedge and, and, and try to try to, try to to pop it around there. Or dodge that yardage. <laughs> yes, that's <You> – know? <laughs> I'm not real not quite good enough <laughs> to, to, pick, to pick my spot. I kind of got to go with whatever whatever that little round yeah. ball gives I me, right? I I got it. Oh, I got it. Man, that's well, that's stuff. yeah, that's great but stuff. This is the time of year people to, should really work on their short game. A lot yeah. of times the driving ranges are closed, too wet, too cold to, to play. But you can go chip and putt. Mm. You know, unless there's frost on the ground or it's or it's whatever. Yeah, you can go chip and putt, and to actually go learn, go take a lesson, learn the concept. Let them let the pros see your wedges. Let them see you putt. Check your fundamentals. Mm. Really work on it over the wintertime. When spring gets here, I promise you, you will be better. Yeah. You know, what you mentioned earlier, though, about being present, there's a lot of parents listening to the show. Yes, I A hope lot so. of pastors listening to the I show. So. That, that That could have been a sermon. Yes. Um, where, you know, putting down the phone. Yep. You know, that's not just for sports. That's when you're, you know, talking with your husband or your wife. Yeah, you go to dinner with your wife, having, put the phone down. Yes. I mean, you could have started preaching, yeah. and there's a lot of people listening to the show yeah. that would have put the phone down and started – because that is a great point um, with regards to anything that you're involved in. Be present. Be present. If someone comes to Josh Dorman and wants to talk to you about business, it's going to be an interesting conversation. Yes. But, it's, but you're not there really and really interested in that person right if you're looking at your phone now, i'm guilty of it i'm not saying i sure, won't do it we all are I'm, we all but but if you pay me for a lesson i'm not doing it yes okay? you, you got it you got my time right yeah now because i owe it to you yeah in return you're back absolutely because my time's valuable you're paying for it yeah i have knowledge i want to give it to you yeah and i'm and i'm gonna give it to you a hundred percent but what's an hour of fun learning but in life at the dinner table, mm. the phones go down, the TVs go off, yep. nothing else except what's going on right there. That's yeah. being present. If you want to know somebody, you got to be present. Absolutely. And and I, I could do a better job with my kids, my wife, my staff, whatever. Uh, but but I try, and I do understand it's, it's relative importance in life. Right. That, like, if you meet somebody new and you want to remember their name, it takes effort. Mm. That effort's gone. Yes. If you look down at the phone to read a text when that guy yeah. says, I'm Jim, and you say, nice to meet you, Johnny. Yeah. You know, yeah. you don't see Jim no more. No. <laughs> Jim's out. Jim's gone. <laughs> 
That's uh, powerful stuff. Uh, we, we Look, that's a message we all need to hear. Yeah. Be present in, in what you're doing. Be present in your relationships. Be present in your practice. Yes. If you're an athlete, uh, if you want to get better at something, maybe you're just an average golfer that's wanting to get a little bit better, be, pre- be present in your practice time. Uh, great, great message yeah, right there, you. Randy. Uh, that's Randy Watkins. This has been T to Green, part of uh, Upon Further Review. Every uh, The first Monday night of every month, 6 to 7 p.m., uh, Randy Watkins joined us, and we appreciate you once again for being with us. Thanks, Josh. Don't go anywhere. Hour number two coming up right after this. Dot com. It's time now for Upon Further Review with your host, Josh Norman, here on WJQS The Fan. And welcome back in. Hour number two of Upon Further Review tonight. Just a uh, tremendous first hour with Randy Watkins uh, and how we finished it up there with the message of being present that he was talking about as it relates to your practice uh, on the golf range, but really as it relates to life, being present uh, regardless of, of what it is that you're doing uh, to get better, you have to be present. To be a better husband, wife, uh, to be a better uh, a father, mother, sibling, friend, uh, athlete, whatever it is, uh, learning how to be present in those moments that are so important, man. Uh, just a great message by Randy, and we appreciate the time that he spends with us the first Monday of every month for T degree with green with Randy Watkins. I want to remind you, if you want to know more about his golf courses, uh, Lake Caroline golf course, uh, whisper Lake and Patrick farms in Rankin County. Uh, you can visit his website, randywatkinsgolf.com. Uh, great membership packages available over there. Uh, terrific, three terrific courses, all different. And, uh, and so it's a lot of fun uh, to play those courses. And I would encourage you, Uh, to visit his website and learn more. Also, U.S. Kids Golf, his son Thomas, a top 50 instructor. uh, Those are going to fire up in the spring. They're already signing up for that. If you're interested in your children learning the game of golf, uh, the U.S. US Kids Golf program that uh, Randy and Thomas use there there with their golf group is phenomenal. I would highly encourage you to uh, get your children involved in that. You can find that on their website as well. So uh, just a great first hour. And uh, now as we get started, I want to remind you we are brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi, www.bcbsms.com. Live healthy, live blue. And Bill, it was a big time weekend on the campus of Southern Mississippi for the MHSA uh, state championships. Yeah, we had a great time. It was a lot of fun. Long days, but uh, it was a lot of fun though. Yeah, it's long Six days. Games. Yeah, when yeah. you're out there, we had a great crew. Uh, I personally want to thank um, uh, Jared Schatz, Jake Wimberly, uh, Mark King. Uh, they uh, they had me uh, allowed me the opportunity to be a part of the broadcast crews uh, for both uh, the radio side here on 105.9 FM uh, ESPN, the Zone here in the metro area, Mississippi Public Broadcasting statewide, as well as the National Federation of High Schools Network. Uh, just a tremendous honor to be a part of calling those contests. And uh, just going to give you a rundown, uh, starting with 1A, uh, your state champions are Bay Springs. Uh, Bay Springs defeated Simmons. Uh, that was a, a contest that a lot of people, Simmons came in undefeated. A lot of people, um, you know, projected that to go the other way, but uh uh, Bay Springs, uh, you know, it was a community effort. Their coach talked about uh, how that's his school. Uh, it's where he wants to be. 
he drops roots, and uh, so they picked up a state championship in 1A in a, in a terrific contest. In 2A, boy, Scott Central had a dominant year all all year. Uh, they came into this contest 14-0, and they left 15-0 as they defeated um, LaFleur County 72-24, to I believe. And yep. I want to give a, a highlight to Quez Ross, the quarterback for Scott Central. Bill, he accounted for over 450 total yards, 350 through the air, 103 on the ground, and eight touchdowns. Yep. An absolute special performance by that young man uh, as Scott Central. It was close early, uh, 12-8, I believe, to end the first quarter, and then they absolutely ran away with it. Yeah, 72-24 and uh, 96 points. That's a lot of points to be scored in a high school football game. A lot of points, and uh, it happened in a lot of different ways. Oh, yeah. Special team, defensive scores. Uh, whatever it was, but uh, Jeff Stockstill and uh, his Rebels from Scott Central take the 2A crown. In 3A, Jefferson Davis County uh, won that contest. And look, Lance Mancuso, uh, nine state championships, but what's even more impressive is he's nine for nine. Uh, You know, Bassfield, Jefferson Davis County, wherever he's been, I think he's been in it 22 years maybe. A while. As a head coach. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, nine for nine as Jefferson Davis County wins the 3A state championship. In 4A, uh, you know, the closest game of the weekend, the Fighting Builderbacks, the Wildcats of Columbia High School, take a scoop and score uh, in the at the end of the third quarter on a fumble. Uh, they scoop it up and score. Uh, as they defeat Senatobia 22-21. to uh, Boy, I felt bad for the kicker the for Senatonia. 20-yard yeah. field goal chance attempt to win it. with yeah. under 15 seconds to go in the fourth quarter. Uh, they had a chance to win it and just pushed it wide left uh, just by a hair. And Columbia Academy, Chip Builder back, and his Wildcats. And I'm going to tell you something, the entire town of Columbia was there. Uh, it was absolutely a great contest. Uh, hats off to Senatobia, played a, played, played a heck of a game as well. Uh, but Columbia wins 4A in their first year up. You know, they had yep. moved up from 3A uh, and uh, won it. And, and probably the biggest surprise of the weekend, uh, the Picayune uh, football team defeats West Point in 5A. That was the, that was the crescendo, the final game of the weekend. Uh, and Picayune... Uh, not only defeated them, but defeated them soundly. And West Point, that was their sixth straight uh, title appearance. They had defeated Picayune in 2019, but Picayune came in uh, and 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 just uh, won that that contest uh, in in dominant fashion over West Point. Uh, and Bill, I believe I believe this. I believe Picayune won because their cheerleaders were on the Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi game break show with yours truly yeah, I saw that. right before the game. <laughs> we were watching it on the monitor. I said, look, uh, Josh got all the cheerleaders. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was fortunate to to be joined uh, by the uh, varsity cheer squad uh, for Picayune as well as, uh, as, well as their um, – uh, sponsors, and I'm trying to grab their names real quick so I can give them. Heidi Arthur and Jessica Smith were the sponsors and uh, and uh, just uh, had a great time having them. And look, you know, some other folks that are a part, and we're going to talk a little bit about that weekend as we go along. There's more than just football that takes place 
uh, during these championship contests. And uh, we're going to highlight some other folks as well. And then in 6A, boy, Bill, a, a big-time game featuring two first-year coaches at their respective programs, Toby Collins and Madison Central, defeat uh, Brad, uh, excuse me, um, uh, Sam Williams and his Brandon Bulldogs in the 6A heavyweight title match. That happened Friday night. Madison Central wins that one 24-17. In, in front of, I didn't ever hear an, a crowd attendance announcement, Ten to 12,000 people, I would think. Yeah, they, there was a lot. I know Brandon showed up very well on the near side, close to where we were. And then across the way, there was a lot of folks there from Madison Central, too. So it was a good crowd. A lot of folks came. And I know leaving that night when I was coming back to Jackson because I had to come on back, uh, there was a line of cars headed back north. Yes, headed 49 <laughs> Hard to north. get back up here, yeah. No doubt, no doubt. It was, a, it was a fantastic. And listen, one of the things that was impressive, and we mentioned in the first hour, Brandon came out, and in that first drive, yeah. they punched Madison Central right in the nose. I thought they were getting ready to dominate. It's you, you know, know the energy and and all that you felt on that Brandon sideline. It was, um, it was special, man. Yeah. I mean, it was uh, you you just could feel it. We kept uh, getting choked by the baby powder. Yes, it was tangible. <laughs> the baby powder coming from the from the student section, I yeah. guess, and uh, and it was tangible. I mean, you could feel it right there uh, in the rock, and you know. Speaking of the Rock, what an intimate setting for yep. uh, for state championship contest. You know, when you talk about, look, all of these facilities are great. You know, Mississippi State has a great uh, facility. Ole Miss, obviously, a great facility. Uh, the Vet in Jackson. But those are all larger facilities. They, they accommodate 50,000, 60,000, 70,000 people. The, the, the Rock, you know, when you get that lower bowl full, yeah, you know, and, and you're in that fifteen to 20,000 range, which which no one game got to that level, but because of its its tight setting, it really I, I like like when Bay Springs in that contest or Columbia and their entire towns were there. Man, when that place erupted, it erupted, and it created an absolute perfect environment uh, for state championship football contests. And uh, just a, a you know kudos to. Uh, to the Southern Mississippi, uh, Dee Dee Anderson, the vice president of uh, of student affairs, joined me uh, at one point that evening and talked about uh, the the uh, the university. But uh, you know, just hosting it and the accommodations that they gave, uh, it really was a first class. The MHSA did a great job uh, on hosting those events, and and uh, and ultimately, uh, you know, all six of these champions. I mean, think about it: uh, out of dozens and dozens, north of a hundred, uh, well north of a hundred teams start uh, competing for these state championships and only six are crowned uh, at the end. So uh, we're going to talk more about those state championships the weekend down at Hattiesburg. We're going to talk some college football, obviously the uh, the college football playoff uh, final uh, uh, rankings are out. So we'll talk about those contests, some championship contests. Hey, where did we finish up in our in our uh, in our picks we'll yeah, talk about question, yeah. more all of that and more as we come back right here on upon further review Upon further review with your host, Josh Norman, on WJQS The Fan. And welcome back in. Upon further review, 
Hour number two, and man, it has flown by. Once again, appreciate Randy Watkins joining us in hour number one, as he always does the first Monday of each month for Tea to Green with Randy Watkins as a part of our show upon further review. And uh, we're talking high school football. We uh, mentioned all of the MHSAA state champions and some of the storylines that came out of uh, of the weekend, some of the uh, boy special performances that came out of the weekend, the job that Southern Miss did hosting the event, uh, and just the intimate setting that the Rock is uh, there on the campus of Southern Miss, uh, the job that the MHSA did in hosting these events. You know, it moved from the vet down to Southern Miss fairly late because of some conflicts uh, potentially with Jackson State and the SWAC championship. So, you know, when you look at hosting these, there's a lot of different variables, but one of the things I want to mention, and it's what we want to do on the show is, uh, listen, you know, we cover a lot of football, but when you look at the state championship weekend, there's so much more that goes on. You know, each team, obviously, it's so important for the communities, Uh, It's so important for their schools, for their programs. Uh, But you also have folks like Varsity Cheer Squads. They're sponsors. Uh, They ride buses every Friday night. Uh, Their job is to bring spirit and enthusiasm uh, to these contests. And I watched these groups, and, man, they just absolutely cheered so hard, uh, trying win or lose, up or down. It did not matter. They were constantly uh, encouraging their teams, uh, their 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 fan bases, uh, with uh, with with what they do. Obviously, these groups have their own uh, big time uh, uh, cheer, um, you know, events where you know their spirit events where they compete themselves. Uh, but these state championship weekends are big for those groups as well because listen, they are highlighting their talents, their gifts. Uh, you saw some of their performances, uh, the tumbling, uh, all of the different things that go into the dances, uh, just phenomenal. Um, and so congratulations to all those, those, those varsity cheer squads that represented your schools in Hattiesburg, your sponsors, and the job that they do in preparing you. Uh, so congratulations to them. One of the other groups that, uh, that I was you know, equally impressed as impressed by uh, this past weekend were the bands. Man, the bands were phenomenal. They were active. They were upbeat. Um, Just a a terrific job by each school that brought bands. I believe every school actually brought a band of some sort. Obviously, the smaller schools may have just been a small drum line or, or a smaller band. But look, at the end of the day, they all did a terrific job. And that culminated on Saturday with something on Friday, Bill, they did a a um, just a, a normal uh, musical uh, presentation of the Star Spangled Banner, the national anthem. Um, you know where where they just had it on 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 uh, uh, you know iPod or whatever it is, and they played it. But on Saturday, you had three different bands that performed the national anthem. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it was Scott Central, Columbia High School, and Picayune's bands. Mm-hmm. All three performed the national anthem. And absolutely knocked it out of the park. Did a terrific job. And, and you know, the, the thing is, people don't realize, these folks prepare. I mean, if you've not watched them out starting in the summer, these marching bands are preparing. They are uh, learning their music. They are, uh, you know, going through the same preparation process as any other team or squad. And so congratulations to those bands. To each of them and all the bands, you guys did an amazing job last weekend. And the atmosphere that's brought from a band, in fact, we were having a conversation this weekend. And uh, and I don't know if you remember, Bill, but uh, someone within our, within our group was talking about 
uh, a a coach, and I won't name the coach. I don't I, I don't know, you know. But the coach basically said, when when establishing a program, you needed two things, and uh, and one of those things uh, you needed a a great football program, and you needed a great band. And there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, you know, the band brings so much enthusiasm, hype, energy uh, to a contest that uh, it's just a fantastic um, and fantastic thing to have on behalf of, of your school. And, and certainly, uh, uh, you know, those bands did, did a great job all weekend. So it was a great weekend out there and, and uh, just a lot of fun was had and uh, just a great job presenting it. Everybody that brought uh, the media part of it, uh, obviously Bill did a great job producing all on the radio side. Uh, and uh, we all had the pleasure of being a small part uh, of that weekend and very thankful for that. You were talking about the bands. Was it the, the Friday night game that they combined the bands from both schools? Didn't they play together in the field together at halftime? With Madison Central yeah, and Madison Brandon. Central Brandon got yeah. together and played together. Yeah, that was phenomenal. At halftime, it was great. Yeah. And then I was watching, the I think it was the second game on Saturday, where when the bands came out, when the band came out for halftime, one of the schools, there were cheerleaders in their uniforms out there playing in the band because yes. it, they have a small band. Yes. And there was cheerleaders out there. Uh, one of them was playing saxophone. Yes. <laughs> and there, so we had like four or five cheerleaders out there. One of them was one of the flat girls. And uh, yeah, so you had to, it's just all that. That you, they're not only doing cheers, but then they got to run out on the field at halftime and play an instrument and be in the band. And you know what's amazing? You see a lot of these small schools too. Is yeah. is you'll have football players. Yeah, football players that'll, be out there in their uniforms. End yeah. their first half, yep. they'll go out in the band in their uniform, their football uniform, miss the halftime speech, play in the band, and then get back on the it's field called, for halftime. It's called commitment. That's it. That's it. And 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 you know that's uh boy what that's what athletics is about. It is it is about so much more. Uh, obviously you compete to win, but there's so many different variables and so many different students that are involved in these contests that are, that it goes well beyond just those performing on the, on the court field, whatever it may be. So yeah, it was just a a great time, uh, had by everyone. So, uh, all right, Bill, we got to go through and look (laughs) at, uh, the, um, uh, the picks for the yeah, championship. See how we did for the whole season. Um, and yeah. then, yeah, I'm going to have to update that next week. Yeah, uh, I didn't have a chance to to get us, but uh, but all right. So look, let's just go ahead and, and talk about this one. Uh, in Pac-12, uh, Bill goes Oregon, and uh, and the judge and I both go Utah. Yeah. But here's here's what's interesting about this. Cristobal, the Oregon head coach, right. Had already bounced for Miami. Yep. Okay. He's rewarded for getting whipped in the Pac 12 championship yep. by Utah with a job in at Miami. a school that still had a head coach. Yeah, they hadn't fired uh, the coach yet. He was he was out recruiting, as a matter of fact. Now now look <laughs> Manny Diaz. I, I get it. Coaches all the time consider other opportunities while still being the coach at their respective institution. I understand that. But I don't know that I've ever seen another time where a coach of a another school who was under contract at that school was given a timeline to uh, either accept or decline an offer from a school who had a current head coach <laughs> – and uh man you want to talk about soap opera here's the deal i don't mind you looking for another coach uh if that's what you need to do 
if I were if if you know if I were Manny Diaz, I would have beat him to it. But here's why he didn't, and everybody wants to. Here's why he didn't. It's called six million dollars. Yes. So so by getting fired, which he knew was coming, he got a six million dollar buyout. So don't feel bad for Manny Diaz oh, no. either. Uh, you know, who I feel bad for are those players at Oregon who obviously did not get Cristobal's best. Their preparation for Utah to whip them that bad. And look, Utah has been playing really well of late. So I'm not that's not a discredit to Utah. But but I don't believe Utah's four touchdowns better than Oregon. And you can you can see that Cristobal was obviously sidetracked by uh, the other things that were going on with regards to his negotiations, I firmly believe he knew all week last week that he was going to take the job, and and so he kind of mailed it in. And, and shame on him for that part on behalf of those kids. It's kind of like the the Brian Kelly deal. I have no issue with Brian Kelly taking the notar- the uh, LSU job. Zero. Uh, you know what I would have loved to have seen personally is look take the job but finish what could have been a playoff year. With your current team, I understand recruiting. I get all that, but 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 I do believe when when you have asked for everything a, a young person has, and there's still something to finish in that season. Finish that season, finish that bowl game. I've known way too many coaches that have finished their employment at one school while preparing for employment at another, and have done both the respect that they deserve. I just believe that you can handle that, and I believe that the kids in both situations deserve to have your best. And I don't think Cristobal gave his best to the Oregon Ducks. Uh, Manny Diaz worked through the final uh, stretches. I don't blame him a bit for not walking away because he's now walking away $6 million richer. And don't forget, at one point, he was one of the most highly sought-after defensive coordinators in the country, so I don't think you'll have a problem landing a job either. And while he waits on it, Bill, he's waiting on a, on a stack of cash called $6 million. Right. There's plenty of jobs out there here. There's some available right now that are gonna, probably going to be calling him. Calling right his today. name. <laughs> so we've got uh, a couple more segments. We're going to talk uh, the championship uh, weekend in college football. We're going to talk the college football playoffs, and we're going to talk about the coaching carousel a little bit more, among under, other things. Don't go anywhere. we got more upon further review coming up right after this. Welcome back to Upon Further Review with Josh Dorman. If you'd like to participate in the show, give us a call at 601-366-1180. And we welcome you back in Upon Further Review. Been a great show. Uh, Thank you for joining us. 106.3 FM, The Fan, 1400 AM. Uh, Certainly appreciate you listening and hope that that you've, uh, you've, you've enjoyed the first uh, first bit of this show. We've got a couple segments to go and a lot of content to get to as uh, we look at college football and the championship weekend that was. Um, you know, really, you know, there was there was some uh, there were there were a few uh, you know very interesting outcomes. Uh, some uh, closer than others. Uh, if you remember, our picks this this past weekend were based on the game itself and just straight up, no line included. 
And uh, we've already talked about Oregon and Utah. Utah defeated Oregon 38-10, to just just whipped them. They were up 23-0 at the half. And uh, or, uh, Utah really is one of those teams, I would say, that um, uh, nobody would want to play at this point as uh, they have been hot. The big one, obviously, in this area was the SEC championship. Alabama, Bryce Young was terrific. Uh, Alabama defeated Georgia 41-24, to uh, really exposed some things with Georgia, and, uh, and, 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 and more importantly just showed why Nick Saban just gets the best out of his kids uh, when the moments matter the most. To put up 41 points against that Georgia defense after struggling mightily against Auburn was very, very impressive, and so they win that one. Uh, I actually am the only one that picked Georgia of the three of us, Bill. So you and the judge picked one up there uh, as Alabama defeats Georgia. When you go to the Big Ten, Michigan just dominated Iowa. Because of that, Bill, mm-hmm. I, I that's why I'm very uh, – it was very curious to me as to why Michigan was not number one. They were number two going into that contest. Alabama was three. The committee put Alabama one, Michigan two. Obviously, Alabama dominated the number one team in the country, Georgia. But Michigan, 42-3 to over Iowa, ranked number 13, but in the Big Ten, and 12 is one as well. Uh, boy, that, you know, I would caution to say the reason that that happened is they did not want an all-SEC semifinal. Yeah, probably so. You know, they did yeah. not want a 2-3 matchup. They knew since he was going to be four and they did not want a back-to-back. You know, we just saw Georgia and Alabama. If we see them again, mm-hmm. let's see them in the championship uh, and and roll the dice there. So, uh, you know, that was one. Michigan uh, dominated that one. We all three took Michigan in that one uh, on the week. So, uh, then you go on to um, the, Atlanta, the American Atlantic uh, Athletic Conference. Cincinnati finishes the undefeated season. They are the first uh, non-Power Five that will be in the playoff, and uh, they are they are come in as number four again. Uh, so they finished 13-0. They will face Alabama. We'll talk about that game a little bit more later, uh, but they have punched their ticket uh, to the uh, to the playoff, and they defeated Houston 35-20 to in a game that was close until the third quarter. Cincinnati won the third quarter 21-0 and opened that up. In that one, the judge picked Houston. So we picked, uh, we each picked one up on the judge there, Bill. Mm-hmm. We talked about uh, uh, Baylor and Oklahoma State. We have not talked about that. Had Oklahoma State won, it would have been very interesting what would have happened to, with an eleven. Excuse me, it would have been a twelve and one Oklahoma State team out of the Big Twelve. Where would they have fallen? Uh, in that, I think with Georgia losing, it was the only way that Alabama, Cincinnati, and Michigan all three stayed in and Georgia was going to be in either way. So uh, probably would have stayed five, but Baylor beats Oklahoma State 21-16. to You and the judge picked up uh, a game on me there as I had Oklahoma State. Utah State absolutely dominated, dominated San Diego State, 46-13. to uh, How about the job that Anderson's done? He left Arkansas State to take that Utah State job, and uh, boy, he he has those those uh, those guys rolling six and two in the Mountain West, ten and three overall. They are your Mountain West champions, and we all had San Diego State, so we swung and missed on that one. Uh, in the Sun Belt, 
Louisiana beats Appalachian State 24-16. That is one that we all three uh, picked as um, they defeated Appalachian State. I'm trying to find the Wake Forest pit score. There it is. Wake Forest gets walloped by Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm... I am uh you and I picked Wake Forest on that one. The judge picked Pitt. So uh he wins that one and then Texas San Antonio won the Conference USA championship and I don't see that score but they did win that one and we all picked UTSA. So Bill finishes up. He took the final week 1 2 3 4 5 6 and 3. The judge took the final week, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and two, and I pulled up the wagon at five and four. Uh, now, let's get to the playoffs, Bill. Yeah. Alabama Cincy. We don't have a um, – I think there's an early line on that. I tell you what, we'll pick those uh, next week. Yeah. We'll wait to pick those next week. The judge can't join us tonight, so we'll wait for the judge to be there and we'll weigh in on our thoughts on both of those matchups. You've got Alabama-Cincinnati, and you've got Georgia-Michigan. Obviously, the Georgia-Michigan one is uh, is going to be a fun one to, uh, to talk about as uh, Harbaugh has Michigan playing really, really well. And how will that loss to Alabama impact the psyche of Georgia uh, will be a very interesting uh, point of conversation as we look to uh, the, the different um, – uh, opportunities there now Mississippi State going to the Liberty Bowl and will face Texas Tech Mike Leach's old stomping grounds great storyline there and Ole Miss heads down to Nolens, New Orleans gonna be sweet down there. and they will play in the Sugar Bowl against um, <laughs> Baylor Baylor yep Baylor out of Waco Boy, that's a great matchup. Those are two teams that are hot. And yeah. uh, that will be – I think that's going to be a fantastic matchup. Two teams, I think they round up seven and eight in the final rankings or somewhere around there. Uh, and uh, they – you know, lot to, you, you could say a lot of what-ifs, but but that Auburn loss for Ole Miss, uh, a lot of, of uh, what-if opportunities. Um, but uh, but still, to be in a, a, a big six bowl uh, and, uh, and have that Sugar Bowl opportunity – Going uh, just, uh, let's see here, from Oxford, you're probably a, a, a nice five-hour drive down to New Orleans. Oh, yeah. So uh, so not far at all. And the fan base will be, get to go down there and, and hang out and spend a great uh, a great uh, time enjoying the Sugar Bowl. So uh, a lot of great things happening for the state of Mississippi in those college games as well. Bowl games and the Final Four are set. And it will be it'll be interesting. Alabama looked really, really good. Uh, Bryce Young looked really, really good. I don't, you know, it really depends on on who ends up, uh, what what team comes out uh, of the. Um, the only thing they couldn't do was run, which we knew they couldn't run against Georgia. But right, they right. ate him up with the pass, though. Yeah, yeah, and look, <laughs> hey, Notre Dame comes in at five. Yeah, what would happen if something crazy happens and Notre Dame winds up in the playoff? And Brian Kelly would have walked away prior to that. Yeah, and they came real close to winding up in the playoffs. So you know, now they they flipped around and uh, uh, they hired um, 
their defensive coordinator, and his name is slipping me right now, but uh, they hired from within, did that for continuity's sake, very wise on their part uh, to go ahead and get that locked down. I've heard he's a terrific coach and will do a great job there. But uh, but that would have been interesting. And then number six, Ohio State. Ohio State comes in. Boy, the, the college football group, they, they love Ohio State. Ohio State never gets it done in the big time, but they love Ohio State. I don't understand what it is. I mean, Ohio State's a two-loss team, right? Yeah. Well, so is Baylor and Ole Miss. And, um, gosh, I just – I don't know. I, I'm not as enamored with Ohio State as, as some of these other as some of these other folks are. But, hey, look, they come in at six – and uh, it goes from there. So uh, a lot of uh, a lot of stuff going on. Bill finishes the uh, the week at six and three. The judge takes us both down at seven and two. And I pulled up the wagon as I took Wake Forest, San Diego State, Georgia, and Oklahoma State, and lost all of those to finish up at five and four. Uh, in some coaching news, um, you've got um, Aranda with with Baylor uh, talking about an extension. You've got now got Oregon that's open. Uh, Brett Venables, man, probably the most important defensive coordinator. Brent Venables, excuse me, defensive coordinator, really assistant coach in the country, uh, is headed to Oklahoma. I think that's a massive hire for Oklahoma. I think he's going to do a great job there. Obviously spent, I think, 12 years as the defensive coordinator. And so uh, just a great hire by Oklahoma. Where does Clemson go for their defensive coordinator position? A lot of things happening in the world of college football. Don't go anywhere. The last segment of Upon Further Review will be back right after this. And we welcome you back in upon further review. Final segment here on Monday night. Just uh, it's flown by, and uh, we are grateful that you spent a couple hours with us. Um, Want to remind you, you can uh, download our podcast. Just simply search "Upon Further Review" or my name, Josh Dorman. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Y'all also can follow us on Twitter uh, at JD Coach. Uh, is my personal Twitter, and upon underscore review uh, is the um, handle for the show. And uh, we're not as active on there as uh, as others, as we're just a once-a-week show and, and uh, uh, do some other things throughout the week. But uh, we try to get some, you know, some relevant information from time to time and uh, try to get you some updates about who's coming on the show uh, most weeks and so we encourage you to just jump over there and join us give us a follow um, and uh, download the podcast certainly appreciate all of those who uh, have downloaded the podcast up to this point it's just been been tremendous been very thankful for uh, everyone's support bad news sad news uh, bill the derby winner medina spirit mm-hmm. uh, died today oh. after a workout um and uh according to the article that i read it, it was um passed away due to a heart attack 
Uh, if you remember, following the Derby, Medina Spirit tested positive for a banned substance, apparently an ointment that was rubbed on for a rash. Bob Baffert, le- legendary trainer, um, uh, trains Medina Spirit. And, uh, you know, when you're in the world of, of horse racing, a lot of the notoriety and attention comes from the races themselves and winning. But a lot of the uh, return on investment for a uh, thoroughbred racehorse owner comes in the breeding, uh, which uh, would have been down the road for the Medina Spirit. And uh, unfortunately, uh, that will not be a part of, uh, of Medina Spirit's world as uh, Medina Spirit passes away after a heart attack. You know, that's a sports story. Here's another story. And uh, we caution you, we're not political on this show. Uh, we don't get political. Uh, our goal, politics divides, sports unites. Um, but regardless of your political affiliation, we always do like to honor uh, certain, uh, you know, as, as, as statesmen, uh, people that have, have done much for our country. And uh, Bob Dole passed away, 98 years old. Um, if you don't know his story... Uh, Bob Dole was actually, um, you know, a lot of his, uh, a lot of his, near, well, he was nearly paralyzed or was paralyzed for a short time as he was shot by the Nazis um, during during the World War, and uh, you know, from there, regardless of what you you feel about, you know, his stance on any issues, winning and losing presidential bids, whatever it was. The idea that a gentleman can come back from that type of adversity physically, live to be 98 years old, and and live to be of service to others and his country, uh, man, you've you've just got to tip your hat uh, to someone like that, Bill. Just um, uh, you know, I don't know that we make people like that anymore. <laughs> yeah, you know? uh, you probably if you don't remember who he was, some folks probably don't. If you've ever seen him, he always had that pen in his right hand because yep. he couldn't shake hands because his, his arm his arm was still paralyzed Correct. from being shot in World War II. And so he kept that pen in his hand so people wouldn't reach for his right hand. They always shook with his left his hand. Left hand. And, his, yeah. and he wasn't fully – he didn't have full motion no. with that left hand. No. He was, he was, he'd was. been shot. I don't know if he was in the back or somewhere. It was. Something to do, yeah, and it caused him to be paralyzed. Yep. But, it was in the neck, back area. Yeah. And he, he, he actually lost – complete movement for a short yep. time and then was able to gain back never gained back fully that right arm or that left arm but the left hand he learned to write with his left hand yeah um you know and led a very very productive life and lived till he's 98 years old 30 died something of, years in the con- in congress that's yeah. right yeah yep senator from kansas mm-hmm. kansas died of uh lung cancer, lung cancer. stage been four fighting for about a year yeah stage four lung cancer so our our uh, condolences a patriot, man. Regardless he was a, he was of your a funny man, affiliation. he was That's very right. funny. He was very comical. That's right. That's right. So, <laughs> I think uh, he said that somebody said in 2016 he was at the convention, uh, the Republican convention, and somebody walked up to him and he said, "You know, I'm running. I'm thinking about running again." He was, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, 2016. What was he? 80 something years old. <laughs> so, I tell you. So after Gonzaga, boy, how about the Alabama Crimson Tide basketball team? They go to Gonzaga. Yeah. Expected just to go up there and kind of, uh, you know, but 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 Oates, Coach Oates, ha- Oates has that team. Uh, boy, they play well, and when they are shooting the ball well from deep, they are a tough out. And they go up to Gonzaga and hand Gonzaga their second loss of the year, and uh, that opens the door 
for the Purdue Boilermakers to have their first ever number one ranking in the AP Top 25 men's basketball poll. Purdue Boilermakers ranked number one. Um, and uh, then you have number two is Baylor, defending champion Baylor, Scott Drew's uh, Baylor Bears. Uh, number two, Duke number three in Coach K's uh, final hurrah. UCLA four, Gonzaga drops to number five. How about this? Chris Beard in his first season at the University of Texas has them ranked up to number seven. Alabama, after that big win over Gonzaga, moves to number nine. Uh, Kentucky, Calipari seems to have that back on track after just an abysmal year last year. They're at six and one and ranked number 10. Another, boy, how, what what a job Eric Musselman has done with the University of Arkansas. They are eight and zero, ranked number 12, followed by Tennessee at 13 at six and one. Auburn's number 18 at seven and one. Florida number 20 at six and one. Uh, and LSU. Will Wade and the LSU Bengal Tigers, Bayou Tigers, are at number 25. Uh, Now, look, it's early. Most of these schools, with the exception of some, boy, Gonzaga has played a brutal non-conference. The likes of Duke, Purdue, UCLA, and Texas. So, of of their nine games, they've played four teams in the top ten currently. Um, So, you know, you go down to some of these other schools – just you know the the non-conference schedule has 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 negated the losses but um certainly has not uh probably built a, a great platform for where it's going to go but when you look at it you've got uh the highest ranked SEC team is number 9 Alabama but then you go 9 Alabama 10 Kentucky 12 Arkansas 13 Tennessee uh 18 Auburn 20 Florida and 25 LSU. That's seven teams currently in the SEC in the top 25. That's unusual, Bill. This is a conference that's yeah. that's known for football, baseball, but traditionally basketball has struggled a little bit to stay in with some of these other conferences. And right now, it's it could change, and I believe it will change because I don't think that this uh, conference is as deep as seven in the top 25. Uh, but sp- certainly early, the SEC is making a lot of noise in hoops. Yeah, Mississippi State had a heartbreaker the other night against Minnesota, losing on that three point three point shot. Yeah, by yep. one point. Oh my goodness. Yep. And uh, I saw Ole Miss got a big win over Memphis. Uh, yep. Big win on the hardwood for Ole Miss. Um, and uh, you know the 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 SEC is is you know what it's done is it's hired some really good coaches that are building really good programs. And there's, look, there's no, you're, you have to be detailed, methodical. In basketball, you can't swing and miss with a scholarship. If you swing and miss with a scholarship, it sets you back. And so your player development, your scouting staff, uh, they have to be so good in not just looking at the talent itself, and the ceiling, if you will, or upside of a player, but boy, they have to be so good at looking at the psychological part, behavior, all of these things that could eventually derail, uh, you know, a recruit at some point. Doesn't matter how many stars you have by your name. Once you get into college, you have to perform, 
There's been five stars that have bust. There's been one stars that are now playing in the NBA. That's just the way that it works. We dealt with that issue as we look back on the NBA draft and our thought process with regards to that last week. So um, just a, a lot of a lot of a lot of uh, stuff going on. But congratulations to the Purdue Boilermakers, number one for the first time. Man, well, it has flown by, and uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Upon Further Review. Uh, as always, we appreciate you joining us, and we appreciate Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy, live blue, www.bcbsms.com. We encourage you to join us every Monday night from 6 to 8 p.m. here on 106.3 FM, The Fan, or 1400 a.m., and we leave you with this. May the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face and the rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. God bless everyone. Have a great week. We'll be back with you next Monday night here at Upon Further Review.